Well, the strong one is going to bring the walls down today. And uh, so with that, I invite you to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Would you go to Joshua chapter 1 to start with, please? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. If you don't have a Bible with you, got some people coming around with Bibles. Love to have you have one on your lap looking in. It's a big deal to us. Joshua chapter 1. Do you remember that? Just a quick review, just to get caught up here. Joshua chapter 1. Uh, Moses has died and, and God shows up. Uh, to Joshua and speaks to him. And it's been 40 years of wandering in the desert, uh, having come out of Egypt. Uh, the generation that were adults at the time of coming out of Egypt, uh, they've died off and a new generation is there. It's been some 700 years since God said to Abraham, I'm going to start a nation with you and it's going to be a nation with a place have a sending base place, and now they're coming upon it. Uh, then God tells Joshua to prepare their provisions because it's about to start, and so they do. It'd be strong and courageous. It's kind of the key statement out of chapter 1. And we come into chapter 2. Remember that? A little bit of awkwardness there, but Joshua sends two spies over to the area of Jericho to spy out the land. He, he, uh, they kind of stay in a covert mission uh, undercover at a harlot's house. Interesting. Rahab. Um, and yet in it, they learn how cool is this, as we talked about, that God goes before his people. No one had ever been there. Of uh, The Israelites had been there, and yet the people already knew that God was powerful, that God was at work. They already had heard of Yahweh and who he was and what he was doing. And in all of that reality as well, there they are. And uh, Rahab cries out for mercy. I mean, the town prostitute crying out for mercy, and yet God brings her mercy. Uh, listen, God is never quick to see anybody not know him. No one can, can, can break the divide because of what they've done in their past. God's big enough to bring the divide back in relationship. Then Joshua's 3 and 4, uh, looking at that, maybe remind you, they pause and consecrate themselves. And, and then uh, after that, then the priests, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they walk down to the flooding Jordan River. And then they put the soles of their feet in the Jordan River and God just starts going wham and uh, opening up the Jordan River, and there all of a sudden, a million and a half or two million people, the Israelites and all their stuff, just walk across on dry ground. And, and what an incredible, cool time that was to see happen. And then they get on the other side, and it's the 10th day of the first month. 10th day, first month. By the way, teenager, I was told, made mention that, hey, maybe we'll move into our building, our sending base place on the 10th day of the first month. Wouldn't that be cool? Hey, I appreciate it. Someone's paying attention. That's cool. So there they are in the promised land, and they step in, and what do they do? Uh, they memorialize it. Uh, the 12 stones. Uh, they, they build a, a, a memory, picking one from each of the 12 tribes, and they, they grab stones right where the Ark of the Covenant stood in the middle of the of the Jordan River, and they build this uh, remembrance so that in uh, verse 24 of chapter 4, it says, so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God wants us to remember what he has done. In Joshua 5, they're in the promised land, and, and yet God still knows something. God knows that before he moves them ahead, there's a reproach from the 
past that has to be dealt with. There's a, there's a disgrace from the past that has to be dealt with. So let's just say the flint knives come out and uh, God does work. Not just a flint knife work, but a rolling away the reproach of Egypt work. How cool is that? How encouraging should that be for all of us in the reality of that? Then it's the 14th day of the 10th month and Passover. They celebrate Passover covered by the blood. And it's time for the conquest. So then uh, last Sunday, Joshua comes upon the commander of the Lord's army. And uh, they have a little interaction in it. It begins with Joshua, verse 14. He falls on his face to the earth. And he worships the commander of the Lord's army, who I think is a a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. He worships him. And and, uh, what does my Lord have to say to his servant? What a life verse. Face to the ground. Lord, what do you have to say? What do you have to say to me, your, your servant? And then verse 15, Joshua takes off his sandals, he's told that, to, uh, because he's standing on holy ground. This is a holy thing that's going on. And then in chapter 6, verse 1, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. Well, we've spent, uh, I don't know if you know it, but we've spent about three months covering <laughs> into the first six chapters. The pace will pick up a little bit. Three months, but I want for you to understand, this has been about a month of their lives. We've spent about uh, three months walking along and observing the Israelites and what was about a month of their life. And think about this month for a minute. The beginning half of the month, let's kind of say that general category, the beginning half of the month, they see God come and part the flooding Jordan River and they walk across and they put first time feet on the ground, boots on the ground in the promised land. I mean, that's a pretty cool start of the first month. And then in this month as well, the latter part of the month, all of a sudden we're going to see what happens today. God's not just about parting things, but he's about taking them down. He's going to take Jericho down. Can I just say, what an incredible month. I mean, I want that kind of a month. Um, And yet the reality is, is the scripture tells us that these have been told to us so that they would impact our lives today. And so that's how we're approaching this. And so in this, I just kind of ask this question of in that month, these incredible things happen. And yet I kind of ask, what did they do? I mean, really, what did they do? I might say they, they, they just did what they were told. That's really it. Sometimes we get the impression that these Israelites, they are, these are just like studs. I mean, men, women, kids, all studs. And yet the fact of the matter is they're just doing what the Lord had told them to do. Wow, there's a lesson in it. That's really what's happening. And what Yahweh says to do, that's what we'll do. Um, Not slave-like obedience, but do understand this. They had the opportunity to reject and not do anything that Yahweh had said. I think sometimes we forget that. At any point in time, they could have said, I'm out. Forget you, done, no way, nada, not my thing. But we see a whole nation, a generation. I'll just tell you, this cranks me up. May this generation be a generation like that. 
What Yahweh has to say to do, will do. These are about a people choosing to live in relationship with God and being thrilled about it. And by the way, look at what happens for them. I mean, what's the result? They've experienced a big God doing big relationship in a big God way. You know, and I, I, I just before we really get started, I just go, and people say following the Lord like bites. You know, following the Lord, it's, it's like you lose out on so much. Really? You think these guys would say that about this month? Like, I really wish I could have spent some my month doing something different. Because this is kind of like, nah. Not at all what's happening here with it. Hey, Lord, I just want to pause. So we're kind of getting ourselves up to this point here for what we're about to read in Joshua 6. And God, honestly, we're a pathetic people. It's amazing to us how this world can just come across so satisfying. It's almost like we drool for it. We, we, we think that it can provide joy by the stuff and the, the things that we do in this world and that it condones and it, it calls us to do it. And, and at the same time, in all of that, we are, tend to be a people that question you. And we question your motives. And we question what you're going to end up doing. As though somehow your way is unsatisfying. And yet, Lord, I just wanted to take these 10 minutes here to catch ourselves up and remember, I don't think these people were unsatisfied at all. This relationship with you was astounding and delightful and fulfilling and beyond any kind of worldly ridiculousness that can be laid at our table. God, may we right now, regardless of what this week has been like, may we right now have the attitude of Joshua face to the ground at your feet. Lord, what do you have to say to us, your servants? More of you. In Christ's name. Amen. Joshua 6. You there? The conquest begins. So many things we could talk about out of Joshua chapter 6. In fact, let me list some here. Uh, the size and the structure of Jericho. I mean, of the city. We, we could spend some really good time talking about that. The fact that it, it actually could probably fit inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, oh, I already did talk about it. We could uh, talk about, uh, did it have one or two walls protecting itself? We could talk about the population of the city. How big was the city? We could talk about all the historical archaeological work that's been done over time. We could talk about that, and it'd be good. It'd be interesting and worthwhile. We could talk about the details of the seven days of events that took place. We could spend time talking about that. We could talk about who participated each day in great detail. We could talk about how long it took. And, and in greater detail, we could spend talking about the order of the walk and such. We could, we could talk about did they actually walk around the city, like marching around, or did 
did they uh, actually go walk around it and then stop in kind of like an encircling kind of a fashion? We could talk about that. We could talk about whether the people of Jericho really actually did throw slushies at the Israelites like the Veggie Tales uh, showed. I think that's just the most hilarious thing. But I do will say this, we won't talk about it, but I cannot imagine that some stuff was not thrown. <laughs> Probably not slushies. We could talk about the uses and the non-uses of the shofar, the ram's horn, uh, that's used in war as well as it was used in worship. We could talk about how the walls fell. We, we could talk about how the walls did not fall in a certain area because of Rahab's household. And she lived in the wall. Uh, we could talk about how the debates about how it fell. Uh, I kid you not, there's a, one approach that literally says that they thought all the million and a half people came, got around Jericho, and everybody stomped their feet really hard and caused an earthquake that caused the, feet, the walls to go down. Seriously, they, did. they think that. Come on. Or you thought maybe I was joking last week when I said maybe Joshua went to his physics book and went to chapter 7 and took a look at sound waves and the impact on stone. Actually, some people say that's how the walls came down is because when they blew on the ram's horn, that particular pitch caused the walls to fall down. Anything we can do just to get God out of it. Um, we could dive into the topic of God and his judgment on Jericho. We're not going to do that today. We, we will another day. We could dive into the meaning of harem and, and, and the, uh, talk about the destruction, uh, the devoted to destruction concept. All those are really good possibilities and all those things you could do. And I'm not going to talk about them, even though I just did talk about them. That was kind of strategic, wasn't it? Um, but today I actually want to focus in on one thing, and it's called relationship. <laughs> this is about walls falling down. Where's the relationship in this? No, I think this whole thing is about relationship. And you may not believe me, but let me kind of put it from this standpoint. There are 30 verses that tell about this story, that encompass this story. I think it goes from Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 to the end of chapter 6, some 30 verses. Out of those 30 verses, there are one and a half verses that actually talk about the walls falling down. Verse 20, go there, chapter 6, verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. And then go down to verse 24, the first half of it. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. That's the story. That's the story. But how interesting is this? There's 28 and a half other verses that are talking about what's taking place. Ultimately, I would call it this. There's 28 and a half verses talking about the obedience of God's people to what Yahweh has asked them to do. Uh, by the way, out of this, there's, out of those 28 and a half verses, there's four verses of the Lord talking to the people. And that means that there's 24 and a half verses of the people doing what God told them to do. This is about relationship that's happening in all of this event. It's a story of doing life's Yahweh's way and seeing what Yahweh does. So I'm going to key there. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the story. Then we're going to kind of uh, do the story. And then we're going to uh, key in and close up on the reality of relationship. So let's read the story. Let's start in Joshua chapter 6 and in verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. 
with its kings and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city. How many times? And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, that's the trumpet or called the shofar, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall do what? Shout. And with what kind of a shout? A great shout. Not like, ah, but like a great shout. And all the, and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. End of God talking. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Ark of the Lord. What's going on here? Joshua's doing what the Lord had sold him to do. And then he said to the people, so he goes to the priests, now he's going to the people, Go forward. I like that. Succinct uh, statement, leadership, it gets the point across. Joshua's telling the people, Go forward, like, let's do it, let's get after it. This is what God has told us to do. Let's do it, you guys, let's do it. Uh, march around the city, let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. Verse 8. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant uh, of the Lord following uh, them. Verse 9. And the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. I don't know about you, but uh, guys in sports, we love smack talk. Why would this be the case? Because we're tempted to smack talk walking around the building. As the slushies come flying, yeah, I'm willing to throw some slush back. And this is a silent war. Who does war this way? Then you shall shout, verse 11, So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about at once. And they came about the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. The armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day, they marched around the city once, and returned into the camp. And so they did for how many days? On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that uh, they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Boy, aren't you right now ready for it? So I'm all just to go, "Ah!" aren't you? Listen, this is really important because I think these next three verses just add to what I'm talking about here. Why stop the movement of the telling of the story? Because I think what we're about to read is a bigger deal than the walls falling down. 
Look, right here is the author is telling this. This is after the events of it. So he has, by the Spirit of God, he has the ability to kind of move the story. It's like at the climactic event of the story. And shout for the Lord has given you the city. And now listen, verse 17, And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you... Keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Pay attention to that for next week. Lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. This is very unique. We'll just briefly talk on it, but I'll put it in here as well. This is the first fruits. It doesn't, it doesn't happen like this again on that last part. There's actually four things. I'm not going to spend the time. But there's four things being said in this statement here in these, in these three verses. And here's what's going on and just in the flow of the literature as we read it. You're reading the story. You're like in the story. It's like going. And it's like when I tell the people to shout, shout. And then he says, hey, four things I got to tell you about to be remembered. Obedience is a huge deal. Willingly falling to the face to the floor. Lord, what would you have me do? And then I'm in on it. I think actually this is the pinnacle of the whole story as it's being written in the literature for us. Before I tell you how the rest happens, I want to pause and I want to tell you something and remind you of what's been told to the people. There's four things that we're to obey in this whole process. Don't lose sight of them. Don't get caught up in the walls. Don't get caught up in the walls falling. Don't get caught up in the whole army thing. Remember these four things because ultimately this is about loving obedience, face to the ground. Lord, what would you have me do? I'll do that. Verse 20. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people, as soon, and the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. <laughs> so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Well, we've read uh, the story, at least most of it. We'll read the remainder here in just a little bit, but let's uh, let's do this story a little bit together, okay? Let's have some fun. Um. Here's what I want to do. Front section of the room. You are the military. All right? Tony's one of the priests. All right? Tony, get in position, please. Thank you. So this part of the section, you are the military that encircles the city. I'm going to kind of take the approach that I think the military came and encircled the city, stood around the city. I don't think they walked around the city on the debate on that or whatever. But I think they came, circled around the city, stood in the city, looked at the city, and then the covenants walking around. And so all the other people in this area could, I think, were in a distance to where they could actually see this whole thing taking place. By the way, remember, half mile back watching the Lord do a work on the Jordan. Now I think this is essentially kind of a, all the people a half mile back watching God do a work on a city. Okay? So here's what I'd like for you to do. Everybody stand. It's day one. You've woken up. Things are together. It's day one. You know that there's seven days that are going to be taking place. It's day one. And just in our own little minds here, we're going to have all of a sudden, okay, what happens? The military folks, just, just stay there, but just, Play with me here. Military folks, you've now headed out and you're walking and you're walking around the wall. And the wall's there. And all the other people 
are watching this take place. By the way, is there any talking during all this? It's quiet. While it's walking and you're encircling, the Ark of the Covenant is being carried by the priests and the ram's horn is being sounded. So here they go. And I think all of you are just standing still, complete silence, and yet the Ark of the Covenant is walking around. How long did it take? I don't know. Some say 30 minutes. Some say 45 to an hour. And then they head on back. Go ahead and sit down. Here's my question. What was it like around the campfire that night? What was it like around the campfire that night? I mean, what do you think the talk was going on? You know, we read this stuff and we just don't, we think it's like a momentary event. We forget about the behind the scenes reality. What do you think are the conversations taking place around the fireplace that night as all the Israelites are there? Kind of like, man, do you remember the Jordan thing? Now we got this thing going. Probably day number one, you're probably pretty excited about it. That was kind of funky. Watching those guys walk around. That was really kind of moving just to see those guys there standing and watching the Ark of the Covenant just moving around in a circle and then coming back. I wonder what the conversations were like that night. Well, it's day number two. The sun has just come up and everybody stand. And the military walks out Circles the city. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant go and encircle. And all while this is happening, the ram's horn is playing. And then they finish and they come on back and head to camp. Go ahead and sit down. Day two. I wonder what the conversation around the fire was that night. There you are sitting with your family or maybe you're over checking the military. What would you see? What's going on? I don't know exactly. But just imagine in your own mind what's going on. I mean, are you kind of like, this is, this is pretty cool or you're like, this is pretty weird. I'm not going to have you do all seven days, but day three, would you stand please? day three and the military walks and heads out and walks around the city of Jericho, walks around Lucas Oil Stadium and circles it and looks in. The ram's horn's playing. And all the people are watching it from afar and then all of a sudden they finish and they head back and they do a circle and then they come back home and they sit down. I wonder what question I'm going to ask now. What do you think the conversation was around the campfire that night for the people of Israel? Friends, we get so caught up in the event that we, that we lose sight of the holistic relationship that's going on here. 
Because day one, probably cool. Day two, maybe cool. I don't know, day three. Let's just go then to maybe day four. Same thing happens and all that takes place. And then let's go to day five and the same thing happens. Man, I'm just thinking maybe like day five, I'm kind of getting a little bit like, can we get on with the program? True? I would be thinking day four, day five, hump day. It's just kind of that time where you're like, I wonder how many of the Israelites, and I wonder if it would have been me, I wonder if it would have been you, is just kind of like, honestly, this is, who does war this way? This is so ridiculous. God could have done it in a moment. But God in his wisdom, for some reason, why ever God decided to do it, decided to do it over a period of time. We could talk about how important the the number seven is to the Lord. I'm just telling you, why did God have it extend so long? Because this isn't just about taking walls down. This is about maturing a people. This is about pushing a people, pressing a people, working in their thinking, working in their understanding. Why? This is day five, like nothing has happened. In fact, where those guys walk, there's like a little trail of dirt everywhere and the dust that, that they walk around. This is honestly, this is just kind of boring. I don't know, maybe around the campfire on day six, knowing the next day is what day? Seven, maybe that was a night of anticipation. I wonder if some are like really, really excited about it. And I wonder if some are like, listen, if something doesn't happen tomorrow, I'm doing my way. So the sun comes up on day seven, by the way, before we stand, what happens here? Remember day seven, they go, they walk and they encircle. Now, whether the question is, did the military walk around seven times? Did all of Israel walk around seven times? I'm not quite sure, just to tell you the truth. But God did something there, whether where they came and withstood, and then the Ark of the Covenant walked around seven times. I'm not quite sure how it all happened. But we just know this. They came, they came around the city, walked seven times, and then after that, they waited for the ram's horn to blow long and hard. And then what did the people do? Okay, it's day seven, and... Please stand. It's day seven. I would think this is the day you're waiting. I'm just on pins and needles. Something better happened here. Or it's like, I can't wait. God's going to do something here. And so the military comes and they leave the camp. Let's just kind of go with that. And they come and they encircle the city. And there they are. And by the way, is there talking going on? No, it's quiet. It's quiet. It's silent. Listen, every time this is happening, this is something unto the Lord. This is more of a spiritual thing than it is a functional war thing. And they encircle the city and there they are and all the people are silent. No talking, nothing, just silence in and all. And the Ark of the Covenant is there and this seven times is happening and, and, and they're blowing on the ram's horn and we're waiting for the time when all of a sudden the ram's horn blows long and hard and... And what do the people do? Ah! 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 I wish I had a camera. This is awesome. We're in charismatic, folks. 
And, and then what happens? The walls come down. Can you imagine there? Ah! And all of a sudden you're seeing. What are you thinking right now? That's quite an end of the month. And people say that following the Lord is ridiculous. And people say that just doing what the Lord says, it's just ritual activities. You just do it again and again and again, even if the Lord has asked you to do it again and again and again. And they take the city and go ahead and sit down. Thank you, Tony. Verse 20, so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. The wall fell down flat. So the people went up to the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they, by the way, what was the center of the whole event? was the center of this whole event happening just as we went through that actually what was the center of the whole event was the ark of the covenant do you do you realize that just pause with me for a minute bruce let's go ahead and bring up you got the ark there is that thank you in this whole event, all the people are watching. Part of the reason I think that they came and circled and stood and circled around the city was because the central event is the Ark of the Covenant. Listen, it wasn't just about the military men standing around and them going, ooh, look at us, we're more brawny than you. What was the centerpiece of everything happening? Whether it was they came and they stood around or whether it was a walking processional, whatever it was, the center point was the Ark of the Covenant moving around. Well, what is the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant is the manifest presence of the Lord. It is the power and the presence of the Lord among us. In fact, it is understood that in the middle of the, the, the cherubim's wings there, that was the, the seed of the Lord was right there. That's where the Lord sat. So what was happening and the representation of this was literally that the, the Lord was the one who was walking around the thing every time. The Lord was the one walking around. And so when the people shouted, it wasn't because their pitch was so loud or it wasn't because they were so awesome or uh, Jericho got so scared. It was just because that's what God told them to do. And in the reality, when they all did that together, uh, by the way, why did God have them all in doing all this stuff? Because God wants for his people to be a part of his plans and purposes. Listen, God could have done this whole thing without any of them and God can do his whole thing without any of us. Do not think that you are so important that if you get off course in life or if you get on course in life with the Lord, that then God is able now to fulfill what God can fulfill. No, 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 no. We're not that big of a deal. Sorry to blow our bubble. But the fact of the matter is God created us for his glory, as well as I think to be able for us as people to understand and to be able to uh, know what, what unity and love amongst one another really looks like, like the Trinity. 
And so here God's people are a part of this whole thing. How cool is God that he would allow you and I to be a part of what he is seeking to carry out? The Ark of the Covenant, don't lose it, was the center of the whole movement of this day and every day. The power and the presence of God. That's what we want in our lives. I want the power and the presence of the Lord walking before, walking before. And yet I and you get to be a part of it. That's what this needs to be about. Verse 21, then they devoted all the city to destruction. Wow, this is intense. Both men and women, young and old, oxen and sheep and donkeys with the edge of the sword. Another day we'll talk on that. But to the two men and spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house. Isn't it interesting? He still uses that term. Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in, brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord the first fruits. But Rahab, the prostitute, and her father's household, and all belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds the city Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundations, and at the cost of the youngest son shall he get its, up its gates. So the Lord is with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. Joshua 6 is a story of relationship. Absolutely convinced of that. It's really a story of relationship. And just as we wrap it up, just a couple things. Number one, I'm to hear. I am to hear. I'm to be a person that hears what Yahweh has to say. Is that you? And Yahweh has spoken. And his word is here. And you need nothing more, nothing less. It's all right here. How interested are you in knowing what Yahweh has said? By the way, in the text, you would see that not only did Yahweh tell them what to do, but Yahweh also told them what not to do. Yahweh has spoken, and he has said what life should look like and what we should do, and he has also said what we should not do. We're to hear. Uh, By the way, uh, uh, hearing the word on Sundays alone is not enough. Are you, am I, are we individuals that are consumers I mean, we consume God's word on an ongoing basis. I want to hear, face to the ground, Lord, face to the ground at your feet. What do you have to say to me, his servant? Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't hear the word, the next one doesn't really matter. Because the next one is, I am to do, I am to heed. This is what Joshua 6 is about. They heard what the Lord said and what the Lord told them to do. 
And they heeded what the Lord told them to do. I mean, they didn't pick and choose the obedience part. They didn't do it partially. They did it wholly. All that the Lord told them to do, they did all of that. They didn't push back like, come on, God, that's a little bit over the top. Who does war that way? You know, that's pansy war. We're like man war. We don't do the, where's the pushback? We don't see it there. By the way, it's also not uh, heeding it in order to accomplish my own personal objectives. You know, I'll do it if I get what I want. I'll do it if, if that will accomplish for me what, what I would like to see accomplished in my life. You know, health, wealth, and prosperity, gospel kind of baloney. No, no, no. It's this. Yahweh, you say it. Yahweh, I do it. Joyfully. Joyfully. Because my way... It's just sin cursed. And so is yours. These are just about people that heard the Lord tell them do something and do it. I just have a question for you right now. Is there something going on in your life that you know that the Lord would have you do and yet you've been putting it off? Is there something that uh, you know that the Lord would have you do? That he says in his word that you're to be doing that and you've been putting it off. Hey, it's time to start doing. Maybe there's been something in your life that you know you need to stop doing. Hey, hear Joshua 6 and know this. When you do what's right, the Lord blesses. You and I don't have to get it. We just have to do it. And lastly, I'm to watch. Time to watch. The people saw God do a work. This isn't every day. This isn't, the walls falling down isn't an everyday event. But I want to tell you folks, when you do what the Lord says to do, you will see the Lord do a work among you, through you, and around you. You need to be watching. And a person that's watching is a person that's hearing the word of the Lord. And a person that's watching is a person that's doing the word of the Lord. Our job is to hear and to do. God's job is to act out of that. And then we get the honor of watching it. This is a story about God's people hearing what the Lord had asked them to do and doing it even when it seems silly and God showed up carrying out his purposes and they got to be a part of it. I want in on that kind of life. I want in on that kind of life in an increasing way. None of us are perfect, but pursuing after that. Listen, this week, friends, hear the word, get in it, dive into it, dig into it. If you've been anorexic in the word, it's time to get eating. In the word and do the word. God, well, how would you want me to respond right now? God, what should my attitude be right now? Face to the ground. Lord, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then I'm going to watch, Lord. And I'm just going to watch. I'm going to watch you work. Because James chapter one, you say that when I do what's right, you will bless. And that's for your glory. This week, let's do that. Let's bring walls down and watch God work. 
God, I want to thank you for the time. I want to thank you for your goodness. Um, Lord, just taking a different angle on this story. Get so caught up in all the, the functioning of it and the stuff of it and the, the great big events of it. And those are important and they are really, really cool, God. No question about it. You are amazing. You do amazing things. Science has tried to explain it. Other things have tried to explain it. And yet, you know what, God? It's just you. But Lord, I'm convinced as the more time I spent in this chapter, just the way it's written, I really think here what's being written is for us to be admirers of the obedience that's taking place here. The faithful submission for a people to do something even seems somewhat ridiculous, kind of corny. And yet they did it. God, I pray I would be that way. I pray we would be that way more. Just day-to-day faithfulness, honoring you and honoring you. And God, I pray for people in here who may not know your word very much, God, that they would just start digging in. They would just start eating it up. You've spoken. We need to hear. And God, you've spoken so that we know what to do. You've spoken so that we know what not to do. Face to the ground. Lord, show us what you have to say, your servant, and we, I, will do it. God, may that be our story this week. And then in it, as we faithfully follow you and obedience to you, even when it doesn't feel right in ourselves, we know it's the right thing to do, God. And then we're just going to watch you work. Bam, 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 you're going to work for your glory and we get to participate thank you beautiful name of Jesus Christ we pray